Welcome to the Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center podcast featuring Reverend Dahlia Adams. You may visit us online at unityvacaville.org or you may visit us in person at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. And now, here is Reverend Dahlia Adams. Welcome again to Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center. We're glad you're here. My name is Reverend Dahlia Adams, and I am honored to be here with you today. Today we are focusing our attention. We're talking about our earth and the fact that it is one earth. We are one with the earth. It's not something that's apart from us. It's not an apartment we're temporarily renting and using that we can leave at any time. Even with all the space travel, there is a oneness with the earth that is the very truth of who we are. And out of that, when we know that, when we embrace it, when we feel it within us, then our attitudes, our choices, our behaviors are colored by that knowing our oneness. It is all part of the truth that we embrace, the mystery that we embrace, that there is one presence and one power that we call God, or by other names as well, but that one presence and one power is all of what is. It's not as if there is one presence, one power, God, and then there's Dahlia. Or there's one presence and one power, and then there are the trees. When we say one presence and one power, we are saying that everything that is, is of God is a creation of God's. It is an expression of the life and love that is God. When we say one presence and one power, that means that there is no other. We are one. We are one with God. And through that, we are one with each other. In fact, we are one with all of God's creation. In our scriptures in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, actually verses 24 and 25, it is written, Consider the ravens that they sow not, neither reap. They have no store chamber nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And it continues by saying, Consider the lilies and how God clothes these flowers so beautifully. And when Jesus was speaking those words, the core of his teaching was that we are not to worry, because if other parts of God's creation are cared for so profoundly, so are we. The underlying message is that the lilies, the ravens, the fields, the waters, Everything is God's creation as we are. And through that, there is a oneness with God's creation that is at the very heart 
of knowing who we are and understanding what we're all about. The Christian teachings do not spend quite as much time on this idea of our oneness with the earth, but in other traditions, in native traditions, it's taught, it's understood, it's part of the culture. I've always enjoyed a story that I heard over many times about children, maybe kindergarten, first grade, and their teacher gave them an assignment to draw a picture of themselves. And so they were all sitting drawing an individual portrait. And there was one child, he was an indigenous uh, boy, his family was native. And he was drawing himself, his mother, his father, his brother, his sister, the dogs, the cat, the trees, the forest behind, the hills, the flowers. And the teacher came up and she said, no, 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 no. You are supposed to draw a picture of yourself. And he said, but that is myself. That is who I am. So that's a difference in consciousness or understanding. In our Western culture, individuality is stressed. There is an individual person who is separate from other individual people. And in this boy's culture, in his upbringing, he was one with his family, with the animals, with the birds, with the trees, the flowers, the forests. And so his sense of who he was, was different. And so we're looking at what this means. If we're one with the earth, what does that mean in terms of our understanding of who we are and how does that impact what we do, how we think, what the choices we make? Thich Nhat Hanh, a very well-loved Buddhist teacher for many, many years, and at Unity of the Valley, we've read his books, we've studied his teachings. He was trying to come up with a word that captured how deeply we are connected to the earth and the creatures of the earth. And he tried togetherness, but that didn't quite capture it. So he created a word, interbeing, that has been adopted. You can find it in dictionaries now. And the word interbeing refers to the interconnectedness of all beings, of all things. And when we start Thinking in terms of interbeing, when we start adopting that consciousness, it creates a major shift in perception and it redefines our understanding of who we are. Thich Nhat Hanh said, to be is to interbe. You cannot just be by yourself alone. You have to interbe with other, with other things. He wrote quite a bit about it, and he spoke quite a bit about it. In fact, he established an order of monks 
that are the inner bee monks. Their entire lives are about living from this consciousness of interbeing. Thich Nhat Hanh wrote in an article, our human bodies are shared, rented, and occupied by countless other tiny organisms without whom we couldn't move a muscle, drum a finger, or think a thought. And in that article, he was basing these statements on the work of a biologist named Lewis Thomas. And Lewis Thomas wrote extensively about it, but he's not the only biologist who wrote about this. Many, many years back when I thought I was in college studying to be a research biologist, I remember in one of my classes, in one of my biology classes, we were given the assignment to define an individual organism, an individual animal or plant. Could be human, but we had to come up with some some living thing that was truly and purely an individual. And I remember when we first got the assignment, it sounded goofy. I mean, I looked around the room, there were all these individual students, all these individual plants outside the window. But when you really started trying to name something that lived as a true individual without being deeply connected in some way with, uh, with another individual thing that it needed to be connected with in order to be alive. It was almost, I don't think we came up with anything, you know. And at this point of my life, I'd say it's probably impossible to come up with an individual living thing. That sounds crazy, but it's absolutely true. This biologist, Lewis Thomas, along with other biologists, have written that in the human body, there are more cells of organisms that are, quote, not human than human cells. And if we remove these organisms, we would not be able to process the food that we eat. We would not be able to release energy into our bodies. Our brains would not be able to think. Our hearts would not be able to beat. And none of our organs would work properly. That's pretty big. I mean, so we are walking around filled with other, quote, individual little tiny beings that outnumber us in terms of number of cells. And yet all of these other, quote, individual little beings, microscopic beings, could not be alive without us. So we can't live without them. They can't live without us. We live together looking like an individual human being. But the idea of an individual that is separate and independent of other living things basically does not exist. Trees feed each other, their root systems. If there is a tree that's in trouble, other trees in the forest or in the grove will feed that tree. Trees also have microorganisms that help them process their nutrition, their energy. 
when I was um, in the Virgin Islands, I, I was a teacher and I taught biology at that point. And I would go with the high school students that I taught, we'd go to the beach and spend some time exploring these patch reefs that were maybe 20 feet long and 10, 15 feet wide. And I would ask them to find the individual beings, the individual animals or plants in the patch reef. And the first time they went in to look, they came back with a long list. And then I would ask, how are they connected with other living things? And by the time they were done, they came back with the same answer, that there was nothing that they could find that was truly an individual. On another scale, we depend on each other so much. An example are, are bees. And bees have been in the news lately because they are being threatened by the changes in our climate, by the warmer temperatures. It's affecting their ability to survive, and it's allowing their predators a better environment to grow and survive. So the number of bees is declining, and that's a concern because bees are responsible for maintaining plants that provide about a third of the human population's food supply. If the bees go away, then we are in trouble in terms of food for human beings. Growing up, I just thought of bees as, as little bugs that you avoided because they could sting you, they could hurt you. Or I would think of them when I wanted honey. So they were either sweet tasting or they were the cause of pain when they stung you. But the truth is these little tiny creatures feed us. They feed the world. A third of our food supply is nothing to ignore. And so the threat, actually the threat to increase prices for food is what's getting people's attention to try to do things to help the bees. Again, if we were coming from that consciousness of inner being, of we are one with the earth, then the attention to this would have come more from our guts, from our hearts, from the imperative that what is done to the bees is being done to us. So people who are working for the environment, if you will, people who are parts of organizations that whose purpose is, whose mission is to help save the environment or improve conditions for the environment, to improve conditions for our animals, our plants, our waters, our air. Talk a lot about a sustainable relationship with the earth. And the idea there is if we act in certain ways, if we have electric vehicles, if we reduce um, pollution, if we reduce the emissions that contribute to climate change, that we would be able to sustain our relationship with the earth 
and our survival on the earth, our, our ability to survive on the earth would be improved. And so that is what it means to create a sustainable relationship, that we find a level of interacting where things do not get worse. I heard someone who was, this was many years ago, he was a, a hero among people who were environmentally conscious. I didn't know much about him, but I heard an interview with him on a TV news program. And one of the reporters asked him, was he supportive of this movement to have a sustainable relationship with the earth? And he looked with disdain on the reporter and he said, absolutely not. And everyone was shocked because this was a new way of thinking then. At that time, the idea of a sustainable relationship with the earth was like the, the gold standard. And he says, absolutely not. And they asked what he meant. He said, well, he goes, would you like to have a sustainable relationship with your wife? And everybody was taken aback. He goes, no. He goes, if you live with someone for your lifetime, don't you want to have a loving and growing relationship? He goes, so if all we aim for is a sustainable relationship, we're going to live on this planet a long, long time, hopefully. And shouldn't we aim for a loving relationship with our earth? instead of a sustainable relationship. So this is what Thich Nhat Hanh is moving toward. If you accept the idea of inner being, if you accept the idea that we are all interdependent, that my life depends on you and your life depends on me, and what happens to the bees or other creatures that are not given their full credit impacts the way I live, the way other people live. If we come from that consciousness of inner being, what we end up with is a loving relationship with the earth. And when you love something, when you love someone, then your thoughts, your actions, your reactions, your choices, are guided by that love, by that knowing that you are one with the earth. In a meeting of the United Nations on climate change, Thich Nhat Hanh was there and he made a statement which included this, this piece here. The earth is a loving mother, nurturing and protecting all people and all species without discrimination. He also wrote a prayer or a letter to Mother Earth that is really beautiful, and I'd like to share pieces of it with you. It's longer than this. I took out excerpts. He wrote, Dear Mother Earth, I bow my head before you, as I look deeply and recognize that you are present in me and I 
am a part of you. You are the mother of all beings. I call you by the human name mother, and yet I know your mothering nature is more vast and more ancient than humankind. You are not a person. You are a living, breathing being in the form of a planet. I promise to keep the, this awareness alive that you are always in me and I am always in you. I promise to be aware that your health and well-being is my own health and well-being. This is written as a prayer or as a letter, and yet the biologists say the exact same thing. The people who study this scientifically demonstrate over and over and over again that our well-being as human beings is entirely dependent on the well-being of the earth. That the fact that I am connected or I am one with the earth is not an optional condition. I cannot choose to leave the earth. Even if I go out into space, I take with me those little organisms that keep me alive. I take with me the biochemistry that was founded in the biochemistry of the earth. I take with me my ancestry that is of the earth. So there is no way to take out of us that within us which is of the earth. And again, indigenous peoples, native people have understood this for many, many, many thousands of years. Chief Seattle, a spiritual teacher in the honored as a spirit spiritual teacher in the United States said the earth does not belong to us. We belong to the earth. And that goes right along with what Thich Nhat Hanh was saying, right along with the, what the biologists demonstrate. So it, here at Unity, after, toward the end of our services, we say we are one holy family. We celebrate our oneness and honor our diversity. And we talk, we say that, and we mean the community of people that are sitting in our sanctuary. And there's a genuine love that people feel for each other. They've been coming together as a community a long time, along with any new people that might be here. But we also mean, or I hope we mean, our greater community, that we are one holy family with the people in our greater community, with the people in our country, with the people in our planet. So maybe one thing that we can say, or at least hold within us, is that we are one earth. And as one earth, we celebrate our oneness with all of creation. And we honor the diversity that is in this creation. 
And any time that we're tempted to feel like we're separate, like the earth is just something to use and then ignore, we can come back to this truth that we are truly one with the earth. We are interbeing in the earth. And we honor, we honor the diversity that's there, but mostly we celebrate the truth of our oneness. And so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support this podcast, you may do so at unityvacaville.org.